0: What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of the Naked With Podcast where we dive into the journey of our guests, trying to talk to people about what they're doing and what they're passionate about and how they're executing on those things. I'm your host, Andrew Katawa. Joining me as always, our newly retired former professional rugby player, Sam Weites. How's it all going, mate? We sent you off quite well the other week.
1: Mate, it was it was good to have
0: a few pigs ears
1: with you lads out there at Bar Ombre. So yeah, it was it was a good send-off. Retired,
0: straight into lockdown. Trying to figure out what the kids uh, every day, so. <laughs> today, joining us, close mate of ours, went to school together at Patrician Brothers Blacktown. He's a man of many hats, wears many hats in the field of education out there at Marsden State High School and also in, in sport and doing great things with his new business, 3P Performance, but also in the recruitment space. I'll let him dive more into that, but joining us today, we're going naked with Matthew Hardigan, how you going, mate? Really good, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Just to start off with, just for our listeners, tell us a little bit about Matt Hardigan and, and what you do.
2: Yeah, so obviously I am a husband first and foremost to Tegan. Um, I've got two boys, Alfie and Cruz, four and two years old, and we've got another girl on the way who's who's due in about five weeks' time. Um, Monday to Friday, I work at Marsden State High School, so I'm the head of excellence. So. A part of my role is to look after uh, academic excellence, dance, music, rugby league, football, basketball, Um, and 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 more recently we've just taken on uh, volleyball and drama. Uh, So there's there's plenty going on at Marsden State High School. Uh, Alongside of that, through COVID, I've started three P performance, which is a uh, is based around the three Ps and that is purpose, practice, and persistence. We've run two uh, rugby league pre seasons and we've ran an in season speed eight-week block. So yeah, plenty going on. Um, and and the, third, the third aspect that I've obviously really passionate about is recruitment. So I've, uh, this year I've joined the West Tigers as part of their Queensland recruitment team.
0: Yeah, very good. So plenty on there. So on a side note, speaking of Marsden State High School, I just remember a few years ago we actually had the chance to connect and you brought your, your footy team over to my school, West Walls End High School. And I just remember the the pride and the, the culture that you guys came in with it was just so evident amongst those boys just about how tight they were is that something that you guys intentionally do at Marsden um, with culture would you say it's a bit of a byproduct of a few things
2: yeah definitely I think and I think it's it's taken a fair while to get to that point I know when I arrived in 2017 it's very different to what it is now in in 2021 but at, at the forefront of everything that we do is is the principle and a lot of his. Um, effective communication and leadership styles then, then filters throughout all the staff. Um, but I think being a school with you know 3,000 kids, 65% Polynesian, we're, we're a school built off what you see in a lot of cultures, um, particularly in the Pacific, and that's based around family and, and the qualities of, within family. So the three Ps within Marzen's point of view are pride, passion, and persistence. And it's definitely a community that's, that's built on passion. They, they love their sport, um, but they also love getting around each other and supporting one another.
0: Tell us a little bit about your philosophy as a teacher but also as a coach and um, where the similarities might lay or why that transition from teaching into coaching happens quite a fair bit. Yeah, I think obviously if I look
2: back on the journey across teaching, I'm definitely a different coach now to to what I was back when we first started and I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, I think a lot of people use it loosely but you do genuinely want to create good young men and women first and foremost and how you do that is obviously through the relationships that you create, but also the effective communication and, and setting really clear goals and expectations, um, not only as an individual, but within that group of class or, or team. Um, so from that point of view, I think, you know, if, if you're looking to create good people, um, then you're looking at, you know, what are the attributes that they can constantly display on a daily basis. And for me, it starts with academics. You you so often see that that a really good player um, is also you know, is able to maintain really good organization in the classroom and, and, and around academics. It's not necessarily the the score or the result, but it's, you know, what, what's their effort, what's their behavior. And then obviously around that, you know, uh, are they getting to school with really, really high attendance rates? Because obviously if you're there, you're more likely to be able to learn and, and to engage in that classroom activity.
0: You've you probably had a few um, good coaches that you've worked under over your time, whether that's in Sydney or Even your time during the Broncos, you'd have seen a few things there as well. But who are some of the coaches that you do look up to and and take some of their philosophies and approaches to what you do?
2: I guess the first coach that I worked alongside was Adam, my brother, who we, we took on the Roosters, SJ Ball 2010. We finished eighth and we ended up winning the comp. So obviously learned a lot that year. Um, but we happened to be under really good coaches in uh, Brian Smith, who was the NRL coach, who took a real liking to you know that development pathway. So he was always down there in the under-18s, and then even more so, his son Rowan Smith, who's now the head coach of the North Devils, was a massive uh, influence on my coaching style and techniques. Both him and his dad um, were massive advocates for core skills and fundamentals, um, but they're also big on playing footy. So playing to space. You know, don't be afraid to run backwards if it means you're going to play. You're going to run to the space. Now, a little bit different, a little bit left field thinking, but, you know, definitely away from, you know, high completions and kicking to the corners was more so. Yeah, there, there was a time for that, but let's, let's play to play strengths. So we had the likes of, you know, Tau Tao Moga. And I remember, you know, vividly trying to get the ball to him early so he could skip to the overs. Um, he, he went on from that team. And we had Chase Blair, who's now in the England, English Super League. So definitely that period there, I, I learned a heap. And then I, most recently, I, I learned a heap off Anthony Seabold. I know he didn't get the the raps in the media, but he he did a you know, phenomenal job when I was there. And I, I learned a heap of him in terms of being a lifelong learner. He was, he was always seeking more knowledge. And um, in terms of video analysis, he was always very highly equipped in that space as well. I guess through your
0: recruitment space... Do you identify characteristics or attributes within the young people that help them with their chances of achieving their goals a bit more? And I know, like, for example, with Waxy, he was quite big on the goal setting and hard work, like, of his core ethics.
1: It's a good question. Like, I was uh, pretty driven as a, as a youngster. And, you know, obviously, we did a lot of things together, AK, where you would flog me in the running races, even in, like, you know, little boxing matches it would have. <laughs> but through that, I, I developed a lot of resilience. And then I just knew... For some reason, um, I had to do something different compared to all the talented fellas. So I knew I had to do all the, the little shitters as they call it, uh, behind the scenes to, to have a go at something and put me in good stand long term. do you would know this all too well that we grew up with some talented players growing up, but in terms of having longevity, you'd probably say that a lot of them probably relied too much on their talent and neglected probably the, the other aspects away from the field. Do you still see that today up there in Brizzy?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think going back to the three, the three things that I really I see and I think work are what you talked about. So hard work first and foremost. You got to be able to put the work in. Um, I think the second one is is that they're honest, not a, not just of to the coach but to themselves. And I think often you know the, the really good quote is you, you know you can lie to your coach, but you can't look in the mirror and lie to yourself. So I think I think with that honesty, you know that's when you really see growth if they're really honest. Um, and once they are able to get that feedback. They're able to utilize it effectively, and I think the third one then is you know they're willing and open to learn. If if there's if someone who really takes feedback negatively, then it can really you know put behind a lot of the growth that you'll see. I think the best kids that I come across are the ones that you know not only are they working hard, they'll tell you straight up if they you know what they've done and what they're willing to do, and then but also that once they get that feedback, they're able to not take it to heart and recognize that you're there to help them and, and utilize it effectively for them to then improve. A really good example of when I first arrived uh, in 2017 to Marsden, I walked into an already talented Tessie New, who you see now playing for the Broncos. We'd, we'd have something called seven-minute abs. You know, 50 seconds on, 10 seconds rest. There's not much to it. You know, everyone can do it, but he'd always, for the 50 seconds that you're working, he'd always look around the room and wouldn't stop until every single person had stopped. So that meant that he went the full minute. You now some, some kids cottoned onto it and, and sort of tri- would try and test him out. But that was symbolic of him. Like he was always willing, no one was gonna beat him. Which ultimately meant that yes, he was talented but he was always gonna make it as far as I was concerned because he had that mentality where, you know he's gonna give more than that person next to him and he's gonna make sure that he'll, he'll outwork you at every, every single corner.
1: But growing up at West Hardy and in Blacktown there, has that helped you recruit and build rapport with a lot of the, the young Polynesian boys, wherever you go?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, I think me, me and you talked about waxy too. There's often a negative connotation associated with recruitment. You'll hear me regularly say, like, you know, if this was my boy or if it was my son, this is what I would believe. A lot of mine within recruitment is just real, you know, out and out honesty. Cause I find that like, if, if I want, you know, the players to be honest then I've got to be honest in the recruitment space. So, in terms of that, like you, you often see within that recruitment space, there's so much talent. There's so many. There's so much, you know, athletic ability, but you know, only one percent make it, and 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 you can really see it because of the hard that hard work element. And it's the hard work when no one's watching. You know, it's all well and good you know, when they're in the room and there's thirty other athletes going hard. Yeah, that they'll be thereabouts, but it's the one that goes home and does it that will set themselves apart.
1: Yeah, nice. And in um, in terms of there's a, obviously there's a saying that. A lot of people use in terms of recruiting about winning the lounge room like how, how do you go about winning the lounge room especially with Pacific Islanders to be able to get in there have that conversation with some of the parents or the kids and sort of relate to them and and help their journey how do you do that because I've seen in the industry before where a lot of people can't do it and straight away that that, that person's got no hope in terms of uh, recruiting that kid to come to their team or, or their school or whatever just purely because they couldn't connect. How do you do that in terms of what's your approach?
2: Yeah, I, I just think, like I said, I, I'm always honest. So I'll go in there and I'll, and I'll tell them exactly what I'm thinking. I'll, I'll be myself. Um, but I'll also make sure that they're aware that, um, that they can trust me. And I think that the best, that trust is built on previous, previous experience. So for me, often my best uh, recruitment is the parents and the, and the players that have come before that particular player. Because they can, they can, you know, reinforce the positive message. You know, a lot of people are really good at saying what they can provide, but I think there's no better evidence than what they can see physically as to what's been done previously. So say to parents, hey, go talk to other parents who have dealt with me, and hopefully, you know, and, and I'm pretty confident, typically, that they would, you know, 99% of the time, reinforce the things that I'm saying, and and that's been a real um, building block for Marsden. Um, Because when I got there, you know, I think everyone within the school would would recognize that it needs so much work. But the point we're at today is that typically when I talk to a a young athlete who I I genuinely believe that Marsden is the best place for them to be at, you know, from a, first of all, student academic point of view, but then also what they're going to receive from a, you know, athletic point of view, rugby league or whatever whatever sport it might be. And very similarly with 3P performance, I like I'm really confident with my history that I can develop an athlete that can go on there to play in the NRL or an athlete who can achieve their personal best, whether it be Q cup, New South Wales cup or simply making an A level team at their school, which for a lot of people can be a really massive achievement. Um, and then obviously within the West Tigers, that similar alignment you know, arise where I believe oh, I've seen this talent. I think the best thing for you is to move down to Sydney, you know, get away from the external things that might be dragging you down, which you can often see in, Low socio-economic communities, and and you know we, you could attest to this. You know, for moving to a different state for some people within different families is the best thing. So for me, if I believe that, you know, within that particular family that this kid is going to thrive in Sydney, um, then I'll I'll tell the family that, and I'll, and I'll be really um, positive in the fact that hey, you know, he's going to go down here, he's going to live, you know, the life where he's everything he's doing is centered around this goal, but. We'll also make sure that he's got some other avenues and pathways that he's pursuing while he's out of, the, uh, out of the, his current home
1: state. Where would be the most resistance coming from, just on that point? Again, going back to a lot of Polynesians, very hard to leave the nest sometimes, very family orientated. Um, is there more resistance from the player or the, the athlete themselves, or is it from the parents don't want them to leave? Oh, I think it'd be fairly balanced. I know that, like from my experience, sometimes
2: the kid is just so you know, comfortable Living in in where they've always grown up, and and um, and other times it'll be the parents' reluctance. You know they, they really want them to be at home. Um, but then again, like you know, it is a professional contract, so it's pretty rare that they would they would knock it back, unless obviously that if if there was an offer from a from a team within the state that they're currently living, which is again pretty common. You know, I remember when I when I first in two thousand seventeen into eighteen organized for the Marsden rugby league team to go on a Sydney tour Um, and for a lot of those guys that was their first time leaving the state so there's a a really good example that yeah sometimes it is a massive decision that they they do have to buy into in order to follow and pursue their dreams.
1: I reckon moving to Perth was the best thing for me in my career. I definitely wouldn't have got as long if I didn't go to the Western Force at such a young age and then you would hear people like when you'd come back, I'd always say, no, nah, I probably want to go to the force because it's just too far away. Like, you know, so they've already limited themselves. So um, I found that's what I did, the, the, had the most growth. And I just remember just telling mum and dad, I was like, I've, I've got the phone call. Yeah, I'm gonna go move to Perth at the age of 18. And they're like, what? You didn't tell us or whatever. I was like, nah, I'm going, okay. like, I just wanted out. But um, I just found you know, a lot of missed opportunities, especially from a lot of uh, Pacific Island players just because they didn't want to get out of their comfort zone and that bloody moment just gets missed and then, you know, it, it just bloody goes into limbo a little bit. But, now it's good that you you sort of can pick up on that and help yeah. them So sort of like, I reckon this environment would suit you if you moved away or, no, I think best is home for you. So being able to help players make the decision, it's a, it's a credit to you. Yeah, I think within 3
2: performance, that was through COVID, that was sort of, the real starter for me I was like I could see a real gap in the in the you know athlete development space around providing professional training that would then uh, potentially lead to NRL contracts and I know that out of our October preseason, there was something like 12 kids end up signing on as you know 15 16 year olds to NRL clubs so for me that's just like it's such a rewarding you know instant feedback for me that you know that you know reinforcement that if I can provide them with effective opportunities then um, there are clubs out
1: there that are willing to
2: to take the uh, the pun on different kids.
1: Would you move into player management or are you happy to stay in this space? I, I really enjoy the coaching element.
2: Obviously this year in particular I've taken on the Mars and opens and I, I really enjoy coaching and developing and, and seeing that individual improvement but also that similar to what Andrew talked about earlier that team culture and building Good young men and women, because we've got both boys and girls within our program. If you look at our Marsden opens right now, like we've got such a, a wide ranging uh, scope of teams. So, like, you know, a couple of kids that will end up moving to, to Parramatta in the year, there's a, there's a couple moving to the Tigers, there's a kid moving to the Eels. So, for me, like, I, I, I take great satisfaction in making sure that they go down the best, uh, in the best shape they can be for to, to
0: join a professional organization. You're in the thick of the season now and just thinking about how much talent there is out there, identifying players and like, trying not to miss, miss anyone. How many games would you watch a week?
2: So typically, uh, Tuesday afternoons, I'd, I'll watch year 7, eight, 9. But then I'll watch on the live stream. I'll go back and watch 7, 8, 9 across you know, the five venues. You, you can actually watch a heap of footy um, back online and that's today's society. It's, it's all live stream. At the moment, I'm watching the under-12s. Carnival in Cairns. So that's for our year sevens next year and for next year, and also our year sevens into eights, looking to give them feedback. So, you know, I'm able to watch that fairly quickly and just speed it up, get through the parts that I want to get through, and then um, take different notes down. So that's Tuesdays. Wednesdays is 10, 11, 12. But then also I watch the schoolboy, New South Wales schoolboy stuff. Um, And then on the weekends, I'll go out to different venues across Gold Coast and Brisbane and um, watch different games.
0: That must take so much time. what kind of things do you look for in, in an analysis? So every kid at Marsden has a, has a huddle account have you, used, have you used huddle? I've heard of it but haven't used it
2: now. So basically uh, on the huddle they, they get they can be given the whole game but then for example I'll cut up say 10 attacking clips and 10 defensive clips and typically we base it around our circle so when we say the circle it's a psychological sports psychology strategy where you you talk to the players about getting back into the circle. And these are the things that when things are going well, you're doing the things in the circle. When things are going against you, you're maintaining and you're getting back into the circle. So for us, I just try and link our key key teaching points in the huddle, um, but then we also do individual feedback. So I'll send individual clips around the positional specifics. You know, so for, for a halfback, it might be short side shape, you know, kicking, catching, just a lot of the core skills that you'd see on a standard skills matrix.
1: Oh mate, I tell you now, you know we talked about just just before about why I probably wouldn't go into coaching or anything after that. Or what I thought I was was for, that was the main reason why I didn't want to do it. I, I was sick of watching and analysing footy, like I just uh, you know cutting clips. And we're pretty lucky, obviously at a professional level, you get the, a lot of it's get coded for you. Um, you just go up to the our analysis guy. Hey mate, can I get uh, the last ten games of the Crusaders lineouts? Uh, all their lineouts in the twenty-two meters, seeing where like where they throw the ball, whatever like where's the main place they win the ball. Just and you know next day they would have it uh, they would have it there sent for you. It's a tough gig. It takes up a lot of time, eh? Watching cutting footage like that. And players are actually really lucky these days that they don't have to buddy have the old videotape rewinding it back and forth. It's right. just all cut up there, uh, coded on the side. Just click a button and all of it will come up. I think I think obviously I, just, I love rugby league.
2: But I, I pretty much like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm home and I'll watch every game NRL every weekend and I'm, I'm constantly like the, the sets and the structure that I use for Mars and I've created just off me thinking about different things and how I want to play. So I think, I think it is a little bit of a, a disease rugby league.
1: <laughs> Could you see yourself coaching then? Like in terms of, have you thought about moving to higher honours then? Like if, like you, you need that passion um, to be able to, I always say that head coaches or anyone involved in a coaching thing, they have to be a different breed to everyone else to be able to do those little things. Could you see yourself doing it? Is that a genuine pathway for you?
2: I think short-term, I'm, I'm loving 3P and I'm loving developing you know young kids and I'm loving uh, the alignment it has with the recruitment for the Tigers and you know heading excellence. But I think de- definitely the last – you know, the, the pre-season, into the in-season phase with these Marsden boys has, has definitely – sort of poked me in, in terms of having a real love of, of coaching, in particular, you know, that higher-level coaching. But I, I know in the short term it, it won't be a, a genuine um, progression.
1: So how would you go with that, Hardy? So obviously you've, you've talked about the sort of the on-field performance side, like that strategy. What, what about just like to get away from footy in terms of, you know, say like Seibold's got obviously gone he went through a bit of a rough patch there, obviously knows footy like the back of his hand knows people. Have you thought about how you would – handle yourself under the like, top of adversity, like others' type of strategies? Who, me personally or him, Anthony? Oh, I personally, if you learn anything from other coaches away from it. Say, say for instance, like um, we've used, you know, some people think more is better. Like you to do more on the field, all that type of stuff. Even when you're winning, like everything, now we need to do more and more. But I found some of the, the coaches that have worked well uh, in terms of just getting away from footy totally. Like we've up to training once and then we thought we're going to get flogged, but they took us to the, the cinemas. Just watch the, the movie, you know, just something like that. Just something left field. Have you picked up any of that? Or have you already used something like that with your team?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I think, and I think it's all based around, you know, you get a feel for the group and the energy. I, I think back to I coached Guildford under 17s just before I came to Queensland. It must be 2016, maybe 15. You know, we had Davida Funa, Isaac Lumi-Lumi, Sean O'Sullivan. But I remember... One of the best sessions we had. We were leading to the finals, red hot favourites. Um, we might have had a you know a bit of an off off game, and I remember just coming in and just we used to always sing the Fiji and him. That was standard. That was bread and butter. Um, but we did that, and then we just had a genuine like games night, just complete fun. No 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 league ball. Just got away from it, refreshed. Um, then we took him to the pools that week. So, you know, in a week where, you know, probably bef- Previously I might have flogged them and and thought, you know, hard work um was what, what was what needed. I, I think, you know, there's there is different times where you need to refresh mentally. And often that is away from rugby league.
0: Definitely. hundred it is. <laughs> I actually listened to um the podcast with Trent Robinson and just even about your half time speeches and like, what's the right thing to say? Do you go into a shed? Like, if they're not on their game, are you going to go in and you blast them? Or do you go in and you're just trying to take a bit of the pressure off them? And he was just talking about how sometimes when players aren't on their game, it's a lot of the time it's because they're in their own head. So your, your goal is to try and get them out of their head. And how do you go in terms of managing when the games aren't going, how you want them to go? What's your, your plan B? And what's your approach with your players usually?
2: Yeah, It'd be actually funny for you
0: to get one of my players on because, it goes back
2: to the feel and the energy, you know, what are you thinking? But I think obviously the psychology is so important. Like often I'll run components of the warm-up alongside the trainer and I'll have a really good feeling about it. And Sam would attest to this. And then they come out and it's just completely opposite. Other times you warm up really poorly and they come out and brain it. So for me, yeah, it is completely getting a feel for the game. But then also it's going back to, you know, what was our focus for the week? Re- really narrow focus. I think like that, that was something I definitely learned off Anthony Seabold was narrow your focus. You know, what are your three points maximum? Because there's, there's really good research around that the, the players can only take up, taking so, so much information for it to be retained. So if you narrow your focus and you get back to what you're working on in the lead up, it, there should be nothing new to the players at halftime. Everything that you've spoken about, from your own point of view, and then also how you're going to break down the opposition has been done in the lead up. And you're just, you're pretty much just, you know, talking and then communicating with them. Did they achieve that goal? And if they didn't, how are we going to turn that around in the second half? Now, obviously, the hard part is then, you know, how you deliver it. Is it, is it a, a calm half time, or do you think that does it needs a little bit of acting in order to, to spike their heart rate and their emotion? Which I think
1: there is definitely a time for that. We've had some good ones, half time when I first started. Talking about that, like it is a bit of acting, maybe, or they could be just have a screw loose some of the coaches. But uh, half time against the, the, the Brumbies one time, my first year in 2008, we're losing. Um, and John Mitchell came in and bloody just like kicked the Gatorade um, water drinks down, just like threw it every kick, chairs. He goes, You fucking guys got yourself into this mess. You can get yourself fucking out of it. And um, I just remember Matty Gitto in the, in the back corner, like he was trying to talk to a coach and then like John Mitchell was like, going, oi, get out. They got, him, they got themselves in this miss, get out. And then you just see Matt Giddo going, oi, fuck off, out of here. And like, this was, I was young, just like a oh, whole shit, what's going on here? And um, we, we came out and, and, and won the game. Like the boys were pumped, like, you know, when they ran out, we, we took the game home, but, I just remember just sitting there. I was, I was, as I said, I was only like 18 or 19, just soaking that in. I was like, was that real? Because he just sat in the corner, like, yes, what I did worked. But to the other personalities, the boys in the room, they were just like, oh, mate, this guy, I'm just, who is he? Like, I'm just off him. But you go, well, if he doesn't do that, do we get the same result if he just mm. had to do something else? But it's funny that you said that Like, there's a little bit of acting that needs to go on with coaches that are, are targeted to draw yeah. some sort of emotional
2: response. And I think. Going back to you know, coaching, philosophy and teaching, you got to know your players first and foremost. So for me, like it's trying to gather as much information about what makes that player tick, particularly in the pregame. Because if you if you start well, it's a lot easier then to maintain it than if you're going with them with a poor mindset and then you're suddenly having to say, come on, pump up. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like finding the balance. So typically I'll I'll really dive in and, and talk to them and discuss, you know, well before we're even playing, you know, what do you, how do you play your perfect game? How do you get in the zone? What do you need to do? Is it music? Is it you need to have a sleep? you need to be left alone? For the warm-up, do you find yourself... Do you need to be in the whole team warm-up or do you need time to yourself? Because me as a player, I think it's some of my best games, you know, recently at the Oztag World Cup for Australia was, you know, by that stage in the tournament, I just wanted to be on my own. So I think it's just about, you know, finding the balance between that and and because ultimately you need the individual to be at their best, but collectively as a team, you need the team to perform... Uh, as a unit
0: awesome love that so you're head of excellence looking after all of those areas you mentioned your recruitment of west tigers your 3p performance as representing your country for oztag how how do you go about because ever since i've known you you've been a bloke who's had ideas and you've managed to put it into action and, and bring it to life do you have a process that you go through turning an idea into practice I'm really big on planning through
2: note-taking. Um, again, it's only a little thing, but I think when you're thinking of ideas, you've got to write them down and then, you know, with the dates and the diary and that, that backward mapping. And then with that, an example of that would be a scope and sequence. Whatever you're trying to do, when, when's the date of it? And then with your scope and sequence, backward map from that, you know, what are the key dates? What needs to be done at a certain time period? Because that all, all it does is make you accountable. So if you don't do it, you know, if you don't hit these different targets, then you know, obviously, your end goal isn't going to be achieved. I think there's a, there's also a willingness to put myself out there. A lot of these things, obviously, people see the positives. There's been things that I've done that haven't come off, but I think like that doesn't really phase me. I um I try and sit on a, a really uh, straight line in terms of, you know, if I get positive feedback, I try and you know just take it as a grain of salt. Likewise, negative. I think probably that's something I've I've learned over the years. I think it's it's really easy to get positive feedback. But obviously, if you, if you let the negative feedback affect you, then things like, you know, turning an idea into reality becomes extremely hard. So just try and sit on that line of, you know, I guess an element of humility either way, like take on the feedback when it's good, take it on when it's bad. But then obviously stay the course, stay true to the course, Just try and be positive, have a really positive mindset and just go after it.
0: I don't even know where I heard it from, but a cool quote which relates to that is, don't let the wins go to your head and don't let the losses go to your heart. Like you said, keeping that centred approach and yeah, take it as, it, as it comes. We've got a few questions that have been sent in as well, which we will get to. But obviously at Paddy's Western Sydney, just a real factory of getting, getting decent players coming out of that area. I just remember earlier this year, they, they put a team together. Of, of current players who have come from there. And I know that you've worked with a lot of them. Um, so they had that fullback, Dane Laurie, two, David Nofaluma, three, Stephen Crichton, four, Brent Naden, five, Dallin Martini's Lesniak, six, Maddie Moylan, seven, Jerome Luai, he's killing it at the moment, eight, Spencer Leanu, uh, nine, the cuz Siona Katawa, 10, Josh Aloua, 11, Tyrell Flumano, 12, Bryce Cartwright, 13, Tyrone May in the, the bench is just quality as well. Obviously, lots and lots of talent there. The, One here. Hey, no, nah, we didn't get a start, Wax.
1: <laughs>
0: Thought you might have got on the wing there or something, picked up a wing spot. It's funny because each, each of those players have, you know, such a different path.
2: And journey and story, like I could talk for days around around heap of them. Um, one one of the good ones that comes to mind was Stephen Crichton. You know, he, he wouldn't mind me saying it either. I think I'm pretty sure he might have been in the 13 Cs or D. Um, then he was in the 14 Cs. I'm pretty sure. And then I remember I said to Campbell, I go, mate, you got to pick this Stephen Crichton. You're A's, and he's like Stephen. I'm like, mate, I'm telling you, he's improved. He. <laughs> I, mean, I'm like, okay, I said to Campbell, we still giggle about it. I said, mate, I'm telling you, Stephen Crichton, you got to pick him. Anyway, I'm pretty sure he gave him a go. Like, from that moment, um, you know, he was, a, he was a significant member of the 15A squad. And I, I love telling the story because it's, it's, you know, I often say, you know, it doesn't matter where you are now, it's where you get to. So he, he was just someone who was just finding himself, on the other hand, was always probably the, one of the best players in the comp. So he grew up as a real close competitive um, person against Robert Jennings. So him and Robert would always fight it out, Minchinbury, St. Mary's team but Stephen took a little bit longer to find himself. But I remember at that point there, he, he was actually in year nine. And at that point there, the year 12, sorry, the year nine basketball coach didn't pick him because he wasn't, you know, a basketballer. And I remember Robert Bangle, who, who we know is a you know, f- phenomenal person, and a ph- phenomenal educator. He said, well, if you're not going to pick him in the nine A's, I'm going to put him in the, the open A's for basketball. And it just, like, it still blows my mind to this day. And, and I, I see similar scenarios at Marsden where, You know, he wasn't a basketballer as such, but his athletic ability meant that Robert Bangle could see something that at that point in time, the year nine coach couldn't see. So in year nine, he ended up playing Open A's basketball and and by the end of the season, like, was a a real strong
0: contributor for that team. Nice. Shout out to
1: Campbell. Campbell, one of the next
0: big things, couldn't see it. Awesome.
2: Campbell, a very good coach in his own
0: right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, definitely um, a quality team, wasn't it? And, uh, like, even on the bench, just very quickly, like, even the bench was George Jennings, John Asiata, Josh Curran, Rob Jennings, and then 18th, Chris Smith, Sean O'Sullivan, Matt Lodge, Marcelo Montoya, Christian Crichton, Andrew Fafita, Jaden Tanner, Danny Levi. Unbelievable. There's probably a heap of players that didn't even get a start in there either. (laughs) And i got, a, I, got
2: another, I got another good one anyway um Sean o'Sullivan who you just mentioned probably one of the smartest footballers i know like he actually he'd probably sleep with a football even now um he was he had two knee reconstructions at age 12 13 so he missed a year seven and eight footy, i'm pretty sure and anyway i was his coach and and i, I knew how good he was as an under 12 because i'd watched him for Glenmore park and was part of getting him to Paddy's, did the tour and i remember he was on crutches at that point um so he was my assistant and i remember he come back as under 15 and he trialed and Dom Cullen and Campbell um, were sitting around and we're like, you know, picking the team. They're like, I don't think you can put Sullivan in your team. I said, boys, trust me. This kid is a freak. I said, just give him time. We we still joke about that one as well. Like as a giggle. Anyway, he, he ended up being my halfback. We won the state knockout. Like it was just a funny moment and a really good one for, I guess, you, you have to have that little bit of a foresight into what they can become and not just what they are right now in front of you. Is he at the Warriors now? Yeah. So he he played first grade last week. But he he, you remember it on this podcast. He'll he'll be in the game after football. Like he's just an absolute freak.
0: Unbelievable. Oh, Save God. it. Save the podcast. <laughs> Might jump into some listener questions uh, that have been sent through. Plenty of stitch up ones that don't yep. need to read all of them. But good mate Hoover wanted to know whether you prefer left side or the right side on the wing growing up in high school. I've played one game on the wing, and it's
2: the game that I'll never live down. Hoover reminds me every every time I see him. Was that against Holy Cross? Ride? The funny thing was, I've actually brought the horror show with me when I recruited Darren Nichols to Marsden. Oh.
1: Every
2: every time I see him now, I think about him putting up a bomb and I'm dropping it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I swear, I, I was supposed to be on that one of those wings if I didn't if I got a haircut. Could have been that game. I, mean, I was I was I played fullback halfback
2: the whole year. Yeah, no worries. Jump on the wing, yeah, sweet. Who
0: was that, Rossi? Yeah, the the, the infamous brain snap Um, One from, is it it Talon? Is that how you play? Talon's one of our, uh, so he's
2: actually in year 10 And he played first grade team So it'll be the equivalent of uh, probably, you know, Daniel Panisi When he played, opens in year 10, Robert Jennings So you know yourself in that competition You have to be pretty special to be playing in year 10
0: Yeah, nice well, question in from him what do you think is the biggest factor when kids start losing interest in sport I think it's
2: two twofold I think the first one is that that's all they're doing and that's all they're focused on I think we talked about it before the if the, the appropriate the effectiveness of a balance like you got to have a balance so for me it's family it's uh, go on the beach it's lifestyle um, I love NFL and NBA so for that player like it's really it's, it's important that they have there's more to him than just rugby league. Often, these young men and women, um, they just see themselves, so for example, him, you know, Taylor, the rugby league player, mm. where a lot more to him, you know, there's the cultural element. He's a Maori, there's the family element. You know, he's very studious, he's smart. So, he should be really trying to pursue, you know, academic pursuits. You know, I'm sure he's got some other hobbies. I know he enjoys Oztag, touch football. So, I think the first part would be making sure that there's you know, they, they develop other aspects to them, and I think the second part is that making making sure that the the parents are communicating positives, not just always negatives, and and putting them down or trying to be the uh, the sideline coach too much. Obviously, at different times, the parents can provide really valuable feedback,
0: but I often see that sometimes it can be uh, too negative. Uh, one from Mo, just the political side of rugby league. How do you, how do you deal with that growing up?
2: Yeah, I think it. I think it obviously varies depending on the different parts of the game. I I think you both would agree. There's different times where you can genuinely you can see the politics occurring. But I think to make it professionally, all politics has gone out the window. You've got to be the best because at that point there, you've been through a number of systems pathways. So you know, to anyone who feels like they're being hard done by through because of politics, go back to your three things that we spoke about: work hard, be honest, and be willing to learn. And ultimately, you'll make it if you're good enough.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. That, that will show through, like at, at a young age, through the development ages. It's uh, it can be disheartening uh, if you don't make things, or like you know, there are people that make it in front of you maybe because of someone's dad or whatever. But I'm telling you, all that stuff goes out the window um, once you leave school and and you and you and you stick to those things. Like if you're consistently doing it, your your start date for being a professional, if you do it, might be at 24 compared to someone who gets it at 20, and then. You know, so at 24, you can still have a bloody 10-year career if if you still stick to those things. So, um, mate, just stay at the, stay at it with those three things that Hardy was talking about, and you just don't know. It puts you in good stead. See, for Mo, he's a, he's a really good example.
2: He's he's now 16. Um, he's he's seen a lot of his friends signed to NRL clubs, but as someone who's seen Mo and he's he's done the 3P, like his time is gonna come if he keeps working hard. Like he's one of those guys. He's like a glue for a team. Like he'll. He'll make 40 tackles. He'll do all the, all, the, all the work that no one else wants to do. He's not getting that external accolade yet. But if he keeps doing it,
0: doors will open. He'll appreciate that feedback for sure. One from Malachi Nona. Who is your favourite NRL player and why?
2: Favourite NRL
1: player?
0: I think at the moment, I'm liking watching Brian Pappenhausen. Just
2: because I, I obviously know that um, he was always super talented growing up. But for someone of his attributes so often you see people talk about the game you know he's too small I think for a for a development coach like myself you know being able to see someone who's that size dominate the NRL now I I get a lot of joy out of that because it it, it sort of dispels any myths that you can be too small I don't know if that makes sense
0: yeah punching above his weight definitely one from talent again Why do teachers shut down when when they ask kids, what do you want to do or what do you want to be? Why do you think teachers shut down when they say they want to be a a rugby player or a professional sports person? Good
1: question. Good question.
0: I often think um,
2: I'm always glass half half full. And I think both of you guys would know that. Like I'll never tell someone they can't make it. I'll just tell them what they've got to do and the the work ahead of them. He's so true though, because often people will come in with these big talks, you know, only 1% are going to make it. You know, you're not gonna make you you better start doing something else because there's every chance you're not gonna make it. But ultimately they can do whatever they want to do. There'll be times where their, you know, their athletic scope might mean that they can't generally make a professional sport. But who's to say that the the characteristics, you know, if they have that hardworking character characteristics that they can't apply that into something else that they're passionate about? So I think it's definitely a mindset thing, like You'll never hear me going and talk about, you know, that only 1% can make it yeah. in a negative way. I, 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 for me, it's always just, you know, they'll get what they, they work for,
0: what they earn. Lauren Edwards, what made you become a teacher? Good question. Throughout,
2: when I, I I got injured, I think that initially tipped me into coaching and I just really enjoyed helping young people. And then I, I, I did my first primary prac and I think they are a little bit too young. But I think the ability to see, you know, someone from 12 years old and then, and then say goodbye to them at 18, like I just every day I wake up. There's never a day I don't wake up and just generally love going to work. You know, Tegan often gives it to me because I, like, if I'm if I'm sick, like literally I'm dying. Like I'll I'll typically go go to work no matter what, unless obviously um, her or the kids are sick. But you know, it's a rarity that I'm that I'm not at school because I generally love it
0: and tegan was actually the last one speaking of tees how did you pull such an absolute sort wow. uh, <laughs> i think she knows the answer for that yeah but um what's next what's what's coming up next whether it's education um recruitment 3p any exciting things in the pipeline again yeah. You know,
2: if i narrow my focus definitely for me I've, I've got a really big emphasis on this you know what what you guys used to call the arrival live or Schoolboy Cup, we've done a heap of work since last year. So at the moment, we're, we're coming first, but we've got a heap of work ahead of us in order for us to win it. Um, so that, that's a really big goal. Um, continuing to, to ensure that the other programs are getting the experiences and the um, that culture is maintained across all those different programs that we spoke about within excellence. Within Mars is important to me because I am the head of all those programs. And, and if, as long as I'm doing the right thing, I think they can continue to thrive. There's some really good coordinators underneath who are doing a great job. Um, From 3P, we've got our next speed block on the 26th of next month, so you know we're about four weeks away from that. So I'll um, I'll start to you know pick up a little bit of the social media content around speed, and then that progresses into October, which is our uh, rugby league preseason. There'll be a competition around November, which we'll launch in the next few weeks to do with 3P, and then from a West Tigers point of view, just going out, continue to watch as much football as I can. You know, if you are able to see young players in as many different scenarios and environments as you can. You get a really good sense of the type of person and then you get a really good sense of their game sense um, under different situations. And the analogy that I was taught by a great recruiter named Brian Edwards was you want to be able to see the player, you know, when they're both with the wind and against the wind. So in other words, what are they like when they're in front? And then equally as important, if not more important, What are they like when they're into the wind, when they're losing, when things are going against them, when there's errors, mistakes? Um, So I'll try and watch as much footy as I can now heading into the back end of the year. We're meant to go to – I was meant to fly to Sydney on Thursday for all our Queensland Tigers. We're going to go down and train with first grade, and then I was going to run a 3 P out of McCready. Mm -hmm. So obviously COVID's put a stop on that. So we'll probably now do that during the next term. So plenty to look forward to and obviously have a baby in the next five weeks as well.
0: Mate you are (laughs) an absolute legend (laughs) and um yeah again i I really appreciate you coming on proud of everything that you're doing you're doing so much and having an impact in in everything that you are doing up there obviously as a brand naked you apparel where we're really big on passion and purpose and it's clearly something that you're you're executing and all the best with um the new daughter on the way and if you haven't already Make sure you jump
2: online and uh, purchase as much Nkd as you can. Support the brand,
1: Hardy boy. Just for me, mate. Honestly, for someone who's now on the, the other side of uh, professional footy uh, can look back, mate. What you're doing for those kids around that development years is is unbelievable. The time and effort that you put into those kids, because at, at the end of the day, like those kids are never going to forget the people that helped them through those development stages. Even when I look back, it might be so small. Uh, you just, for some, I don't know what it is, in that that age group, you just never forget some of the feedback that you get. So, well done, mate. And I know a lot of those boys are, are, are rock stars or tomorrow's future because of because of guys like you. So, well done, mate. And uh, I wish you all the best with it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Arnie. It's well, it shows. <laughs>